Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've downloaded the Buckeye LeafCast with your host, Andrew T. Evans. With special guest, Chris Stefanik. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's another edition of the Buckeye Leafcast Special Recruiting Recap Edition. And coming along for the ride, as he does just about every single Buckeye Leafcast, a guy that knows just about as much about recruiting as anybody I know out there, and of course that is because he is the intergalactic Buckeye fan himself. And of course I'm talking about the one, the only, the truly irreverent. Irreverent? Is that even a word? I don't know. He's not irrelevant. He's irrelevant. (laughs) Mr. Chris Stefanik, <laughs> what's up, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm feeling exceedingly irreverent today, so it should be good. Well, that's good. That's good. How's the weather down there in North Carolina? Uh, it's a little cold. It was um, in the 30s when I took my daughter to school this morning, oh. so I haven't checked recently. But, yeah, this is about as cold as it gets for us. So well, It's about 18 degrees and snowing up here today in Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm sure it's in the 40s now. It's um, we're, we're sitting at just past noon. And the nice thing is the sun is out, so I remember when I lived in Ohio, especially in Toledo, Ohio, it was like the sun never came out. So that was even more than the the, the temperature being, you know, 15, 20 degrees warmer regularly, yeah. even more than that. It was just like the, the fact that the sun was out made it so much better, but. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. I feel you. But, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit of uh, recruiting. How about them Buckeyes, baby? Another top ten recruiting class for head coach Urban Meyer. Less than 30 days after he wins the inaugural college football playoff national championship, he strings together his fourth straight top ten class, tops in the Big Ten, a slew of four-star guys, including uh, – Really, the big news of, of the recruiting class was Torrance Gibson and Mike Weber. Mike Weber especially so. Uh, there's been a whole lot more to his story since uh, since he decided to sign with the Buckeyes. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, another uh, couple of guys, K.J. Hill, a uh, wide receiver out of Arkansas, kind of a last-minute decision for him. A lot of people didn't even know what he was going to do until he signed his name on the dotted line as to who, uh, who he was going to play for come his uh, freshman season this coming uh, this coming 2015 year, as well as um, uh, the lineman from uh, Maryland, Isaiah Prince, big commit from him, and a bunch of other uh, a bunch of other guys for uh, for the Buckeyes. But once again, the big news, uh, Chris, was the fact that they got Torrance Gibson to sign because there was some rumors out there that he was kind of wavering a little bit. And then the big news as well, Mike Weber, four star running back out of Detroit Cast Tech High School in Michigan, signs with Ohio State, and since then there's just been a litany, a plethora of uh, crazy stuff that has gone on with uh, with his whole commitment process. And um, let's start off and talk about that first. Um, he apparently, uh, last-minute decision, he was up all night, the Tuesday night before, 
wasn't sure who he wanted to go with, ultimately decides he wants to sign with the Buckeyes, does so, was the last official commitment for the uh, 2015 class, the 27th commit. And then the very next day it comes out that Stan Drayton, Ohio State's running backs coach, uh, is leaving for the NFL. Mike Weber then takes the Twitter, says he ain't going to lie, he's hurt as hell, and then all this rigmarole starts up that the Ohio State coaching staff uh, was purposely deceitful in their recruitment of Mike Weber, and that they never told him that Stan Drayton was going to leave for the NFL the very next day, in which they knew all along. Of course, Ohio State is denying that. Um, and then a couple of days later, Urban Meyer, in a great, great PR move, brings Tony Alford on his staff as running backs uh, coach. Uh, he was formerly running backs coach at Notre Dame, a guy who had uh, also um, uh, recruited Mike Weber throughout his uh, his recruitment process. And uh, because the two of them had built a rapport, Urban Meyer brings him on. Mike Weber supposedly feels a little bit better uh, about Tony Alford being the running backs coach, and apparently now he's he's happy that uh, he's he's going to be a Buckeye. He's remaining committed, and, and Ohio State, I guess, is is happy too. But um, um, you know, talk a little bit, uh, Chris, about your feelings about this whole situation. I certainly have mine, um, and it, it, I think you got to look at take try and take a look at both sides of the coin here, if you will. Um, about this whole saga. And uh, first off, though, I want you to tell me and everybody else out there, where, where do you think that – do you think Ohio State was wrong? Do you think they were right? Do you think this is being overblown? I mean, what's your kind of uh, official take on this whole Mike Weber situation? Well, so, Andy, I, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation before. Never. I've never been recruited to play major college. Well, no, well I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one that you know, maybe there's a chance that this has happened. So, oh, okay. All right. Have you ever been had, had a job, been employed somewhere? Sure. While at the same time you're out looking for a job somewhere else, has that ever happened? Um, I cannot say that it has not. Yes. Okay. So. While you were out looking for another job but did not yet have a new job, were you telling your employer, hey, um, by the way, I know I'm still working here, but I'm off looking for new jobs. And meanwhile, telling all your clients, like say you're in sales and stuff, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, um, please buy these products so I can get a commission from it. But, um, oh, um, you know, any day now I might be leaving for another job. Were, were you telling your clients that? Were you telling your boss that while you were out Absolutely looking for a new job? Not. Right. No. So, no. Sam Drayton would – I don't know if, if he um, told Urban Meyer he was looking or not. I don't know that. There but I, all reports that I've heard is that the Bears offered him the job on Thursday. The day the day he w- we found out that he was taking the job and leaving and that, um, you know, was that Thursday after National Signing Day. So he did not know prior to that. It would be, honestly, it would be incompetent of him to be sitting there telling the recruits, hey, come to Ohio State and play, but oh yeah, by the way, I might get a job from the Bears and be gone. That would be incompetent. Just like if you were in sales and you were out trying to sell a product and you were looking around, but you didn't yet have a job offer, it would be incompetent of you to be sitting there telling the people, oh yeah, um, buy my product, buy, you know, support my company, but by the way, I'm... I'm leaving this company, or I'm 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 thinking about leaving this company. You, you, that would be incompetent. So it would be re, it's actually like, honestly, it would be ridiculous to expect Stan Drayton to be sitting there telling all 
all the recruits, I'm out looking for a job. And let's face it, I mean, these recruits know this. Assistants bounce around as much or more than head coaches. And, I mean, head coaches usually bounce around pretty frequently. So, I mean, every year, every year, every program, assistants are coming and going. I, I mean, you know, since I started, like, paying close attention to, like, who was actually coaching the team rather than just watching on Saturday, which was, you know, I don't know, maybe around high school or college, you know, that's 20 years ago for me. Uh, since I started paying attention to who was coaching, there's every single year there's been coaches that have come and gone. Every year, without exception. So, I mean, the kids know this is going to happen. They know it's going to happen. So, to me, it was, I mean, I understand feeling hurt, but to be like, well, Ohio State's shady or, or anything like that, now that's just ridiculous. And the, um, you know, what Mike Weber has since come out and said, that uh, you know he's he's thrilled with the hire of Tony Alford, and kind of gave a, a he gave a go bucks in his t- his tweet you know he hashtag yeah. go bucks you know so it sounds like that's mended. Now there was an interview that the his head coach at Cast Tech he's from Cast Tech a really prominent high school in Detroit Michigan um, it's a pipeline school for the Michigan Wolverines it's basically it's their equivalent of Cleveland Glenville absolutely. So um, this pipeline school, the head coach came out was saying that Ohio State is dirty, that they did this, and that um, basically, paraphrasing here, but, you know, they cut Weber in the ass, and that the coaches were never going to, you know, he's like, they've got a lot of work to do before I let them walk into, you know, the halls here at Cast Tech. They're not getting through the door without some serious bridges being mended. So I've not heard – at the time, he was saying this without ever having talked to the coaches. You know, he had never – he didn't talk to Urban Meyer. He didn't talk to Stan Drayton or Tony Alford or any of these people. And he and this was, a, you know, a widely publicized report that came out. So, um, you know, if so, I mean, I, I think he's being a little ridiculous. Um, but – and it's also kind of a bad news because this was a school that's now in, in two years has sent three big-time recruits to Ohio State. You know, Mike Weber – this year, along with his teammate uh, Joshua Alibe, Alibi, I don't know how you say his name, yeah, but I say Alabi. Alabi, whatever. It's good enough for me. But he, and last year, um, you know, Damon Webb, who uh-huh. could be the starter this year at yeah. quarterback with Duran Grant gone. Sure. So uh, you know, I mean, imagine having another Glenville. You know, I mean, think of all the greats that have come to Glenville. So if we could get open up the pipeline to, to go to Ohio State there, and also it's every kid that's going to Ohio State, every stud recruit that comes out of, of Cass Tech that goes to Ohio State is a kid that doesn't go to Michigan. So, you know, it's like a double win there. So, um, you know, let's hope that they can mend that bridge. But, you know, to me, it's it's just like a it, – it's, it's not being um, – it's, it's not really paying attention to reality, you know. I mean, every pro, this happens every year in every program. And, and to be honest, the NFL – they sign a rash of assistant coaches right after National Signing Day because they know that the assistants have to finish up with National Signing Day. They're like, it's, if, you know, like if you're in the middle of a playoff, they don't want to scoop in and pull you out. You know, they're like, go ahead, finish the playoffs. We need you next year. You know, finish your, finish your job, and then we'll get you. Well, it's the same thing with, like, these assistants. They know they're recruiting. So this is the normal timing for the NFL to come in and grab assistants is right after National Signing Day. They then say, okay, you've. We've given you time to complete that job. You completed it. The kids are signed. Um, here's an offer. Do you want to come play, you know, coach at the Bears or wh- whatever? So. I 
and you know that that is part of the of this whole thing that's that's come out that um, I've been concerned about uh, the fact that you bring up um, destroying the pipeline, um, but, you know, between Ohio State and Detroit Cast Tech, because without a doubt that is. Um, like you said, uh, very comparable to uh, to a Cleveland Glenville in being a pipeline for the entire state. Um, now, I'm not sitting here saying that Glenville's the best high school football program in the state, but it's definitely one of the tops, and they produce a lot of athletes in Ohio, uh, especially during the urban, uh, or I'm sorry, Jim Trestle years. He went in there and, and, and brought a lot of great kids out of uh, Cleveland Glenville. And uh, here lately, um, you know, Detroit Cast Tech is definitely – uh, supplied uh, some kids uh, at Ohio State, you know, namely uh, the last three here, the two in this class alone, in Alabi uh, and Weber, and then last year with Damon Webb. Um, I see this more as a, as a PR nightmare, if you will, on Urban Meyer, not just 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 for Detroit Cast Tech High School, the entire state of Michigan, but the entire country. This could potentially come back. Potentially, I'm not saying it will. But I really do think that this is now going to get a few more kids nationally out there rethink their decision and want to come to Ohio State just because of what they've seen go down here in this whole uh, saga. Now, will it? Will it not? I don't know. But I think there is potential for it to happen. And that is more of my concern than just with Detroit Cast Tech High School and their head coach, who is a former uh, Michigan uh, football player. Uh, who played with Jim Harbaugh. Um, but I am a little bit concerned that something like this could come back to, to, to bite Urban Meyer in the butt. Now, um, he's obviously done pretty well at this point. You know, uh, is this going to turn every single kid off from wanting to come play for Ohio State? I doubt it. I think they're still going to bring in their fair share of recruits, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think we've got to keep a little bit of an eye out that this is something down the road that you may see a couple kids, couple uh, you know kids here, couple kids there that may turn their noses up at Ohio State because they're afraid of some sort of you know instance like this occurring again. Um, do I think that Ohio State? Do I think Stan Drayton knew? I mean, did he know that he was officially going to be offered the job on on Wednesday before he was officially offered the job the next day on Thursday? No, I don't. I don't. Um, but then again, who knows? Maybe the Chicago Bears said, we want you to be the running backs coach. And, and Drayton said, well, I tell you what, man. I mean, you know, there's a couple kids in, in this incoming class that, you know, I want – uh, to, to sign with Ohio State, and I don't want to, like, hurt Urban Meyer's chances of getting them if they know that I'm going to be leaving. So let's keep this under wraps and don't officially announce this until tomorrow. That, that may have been the case. None of this has come out yet. I have heard nothing out of Stan Drayton. I have not heard his side, you know. I haven't even really heard Ohio State's side at all or Mike Weber. I mean, what was the conversation like? What, did he say to them, is Stan Drayton going to be the running backs coach come tomorrow, come this spring, come this summer, this fall, the rest of my life, or at least the rest of my time at Ohio State? Is Stan Drayton going to be my running backs coach? Did that even come up in the conversation? And 
why would that come up in a conversation, though? Just like you said, if you're out looking for another job, you're not going to tell anybody, and a, and a respective employee uh, is not going – or a prospective uh, employee is not going to say, hey, I just want to let you know, before I come to work for you, are you still going to be my manager or my boss come tomorrow? You know, you, you just don't even think to ask that sort of question. So more than likely, that probably didn't even come up in a conversation. So now it goes towards, did Ohio State know? Did Stan Drayton know? Did Urban Meyer know? Did they have prior knowledge that he was not the very next day going to be the running backs coach? Um, if they did, if they did, and they didn't say anything, I don't necessarily – put blame on Ohio State and don't think of them as being shady because to your point, if you're going and looking out for other jobs, you're not going to tell your clients, your boss, or whomever that you're out there looking for another job. So I don't really blame Stan Drayton for not saying anything to Mike Weber. Um, but if that came up in the conversation for whatever reason, if Mike Weber's like, hey, man, here's the deal. I will sign with Ohio State, and I want to play football there as long as I know that Stan Drayton is going to be my running backs coach. And let's put it this way. If that came up in the conversation, and Stan Drayton sure as hell knew that he was out there obviously interviewing for the Chicago Bears job, and I can guarantee that Urban Meyer knew damn well that he was interviewing for that job too, and that did indeed come up in the conversation somehow, some way that Mike Weber stipulated, I want Stan Drayton to be my running backs coach, and they say, oh yeah, that's fine, yeah, absolutely, he's the running backs coach, he sure as heck is, and then the very next day he leaves, that is shady, and that is messed up, but once again, that is not a point of light that has come forward in this whole scenario. Let, let me just say this real quick. So let's, you know, if you're asking the question, is, you know, it would be nice to know if Ohio State promised, guaranteed that Stan Drayton would be the running back coach for Mike Weber. I can almost guarantee they didn't. The reason being is Stan Drayton thought he was going to be gone last year. He thought he had the head coaching job at, Florida, it was either Florida Atlantic or Florida International, one of those, um, one of those schools. He yeah. thought he had it. They thought he thought he was gone last year, so he knew he was a hot candidate to get a job somewhere else, to get a promotion or whatever. I mean, he was the number one recruiter in the Big Ten. There's, you know, twenty four seven Sports. They keep track of what um, if you look at who was the primary recruiter for the kids. You know, they, they'll link the, the assistant coaches that were the primary recruiter, and and they rank them, you know, based on the kids that they brought in. And he was – Stan Drayton was the number 14 assistant coach in the country and number one in the Big Ten as far as bringing in talent. So, you know, he was a, um, a hot topic. When somebody's that when, – when, when, uh, a hot product, I should say. When somebody's that good, you know, he's going to get a chance somewhere. You know, I know in the NFL they don't have recruiting, but he also was spitting out running backs that, you know, look like, you know, the next second coming of Walter Payton over here, you know, left and right. One guy leaves and is a stud for the 49ers. The next guy comes in and is, you know, breaking records left and right. So the, um, you know, Stan Drayton was getting it done. He was, you know, an obvious choice to get a promotion somewhere, and that happened. So I that they would tell him, knowing that he was last year almost out the door, that they would guarantee him, oh, yeah, I guarantee he's going to be your coach. I, I just I can't see it. I can't see it. I mean, Meyer would say, 
look, uh, coach is coming to go. I, um, you know, I'm sorry, I can't guarantee that. Yeah, but do you really think that that would be something uh, that Mike Weber would pay attention to? The fact that Stan Drayton was a hot commodity and could potentially be leaving for another job at some point. I mean, do you think that Mike Weber paid enough attention to Stan Drayton's, you know, um, personal life, if you will, or at least other goings on with his, um, with his, you know, possible career or what have you, that he would you know, think of something like that? Well, so here's the thing. Was he actively sitting here thinking, weighing, gee, what are the odds of Stan Drayton leaving? Was he doing that? Uh, Probably not. Right. But after he's had a chance to think about it, would this be shocking to them? I mean, my God, I mean, they just had Tom Herman get a job, you know. He was doing a pretty good job with the quarterbacks and got rewarded for it. You know, uh, Stan, just think about it a little bit. Oh, let's see. Yeah, you know what? The whole reason I'm going there is because, well, one of them is because the running backs are awesome there, you know, and I think it would be great to go into a system and with the coaches that could make me awesome. You know, well, if they're getting the job done, why would you think that they wouldn't get a, a offers too? Why wouldn't other people want them too? So, I mean, maybe you hadn't actually consciously gone through that thought process in the past, but afterwards and you're sitting back looking on it and thinking over you'd be like "Mm, yeah i guess that does make a lot of sense that stan drayton you know number one recruiting coach in the big 10 spitting out nfl caliber running backs left and right um yeah i guess he would be you know a hot product well and and certainly now hindsight's 2020 for mike weber and he learned a valuable life lesson in that you know (laughs) nothing is guaranteed period straight up um and, 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 you know, he'll, he'll go forward in life and know to protect himself a little more and maybe ask some of those questions. Hey, you know, uh, is this guy going to be my boss? Is that guy going to be my boss? Hey, what's going on? This and that, yada, yada, and the third. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, once again, hindsight 2020 for Mike Weber, he's going to know um, to maybe ask some of those questions in the future, you know. But um, I guess I'm just looking at it as, um, I, I think it is an important point. I think it's a very important point. Did Ohio State know that Stan Drayton uh, was going to leave the very next day, and was that part of the conversation that Mike Weber and, and, and the coaching staff had, uh, specifically Urban Meyer or Stan Drayton, one of the two, uh, with Mike Weber the, the night uh, before he committed? Because so, if they did know, yeah, it's shady. Or if they did know and he asked, it is shady. Uh, if he didn't ask and just assumed, part of it you have to put on Mike Weber. Hey, sorry, man. I mean, I, but, you know, th- this is the real world. And, yes, people do change jobs all the time. Um, you know, I hate to put it this way, but lesson learned. But now you're going to know in the future, you know, what you can possibly expect and what you should or shouldn't be asking in an interview process, because that's basically an interview process, right? I mean, Ohio State's the employer, this kid, uh, but he's the kind of employee that obviously the big companies are chasing after, so he can certainly set his criteria. Um, And if that employer is lying to him to get his services, I mean, uh, the way I see it is, 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 is if he were to come in here extremely unhappy, Ohio State, let him out of his scholarship. Just let him go. Let him go play for Michigan. I don't want you here if you're going to have a sour taste in your mouth and you're just not going to want to play football for Ohio State. I don't want it. Um, But great PR move by Urban. Hires Tony Alford from Notre Dame. 
Apparently Mike Weber is happy with that, and now it seems like everything is calmed down, and Mike Weber is, is going to be a Buckeye here in the fall, and, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll hope that uh, nothing but good things come for the kid, and uh, he has a good career here at Ohio State. But on the flip side, Jim Harbaugh, a few things I heard come out was that he was supposedly doing some shady stuff himself, and that he told Mike Weber he was not actively recruiting another running back for the class of 2015, yet he had knowledge that the the commit uh, the kid who committed to Iowa uh, had indeed flipped and committed to Michigan. And Jim Harbaugh knew that and yet still told Mike Weber, no, I'm not actively recruiting any other running backs for this class. You're the one. Now, I don't know if you heard about this or not, and I don't know how true that report is, but that's just something that I ran across here the other day and I thought was very, very interesting. And this was actually reported by someone who's at the Detroit Free Press. Right, right. Not yeah, I mean, like some, uh, you know, some reporter down here making stuff up, or some loony uh, that has a podcast that likes to talk with his buddy about Ohio State football once a week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, this no. like some reporter at the Detroit Free Press who who came out with this story. Well, we know for a fact that the Iowa commit flipped to Michigan. That we know for a fact. Um, we've heard that Jim Harbaugh promised Weber. He would be the only running back in the class. Now, did he say, I'm not recruiting anybody else? And he waited until, you know, this, this kid from Iowa wanted to flip, and he said, look, um, we we only have room for one running back. You're number two on our board. Um, we're, if Mike Weber comes to Michigan, I'm sorry, um, you don't have a spot for you. If he doesn't, we'll take you. How about we let you know, you know, be ready on signing day. We'll give you a call and let you know. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what happened, in which case I don't think it's, it's shady on, on Jim Harbaugh's part. That sounds like awfully honest and straightforward for um, a college coach, and I choose to believe that that's not how it went, that <laughs> he's sleazy as hell and that he was lying to both of them and all that. Right. But I don't know. You know, yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it, it, it sounds shady. It sounds shadier than what was going on at Ohio State because this stuff happens every single year at Ohio State, and it's like, okay, you're not if, – if you're looking for a new job, until you have that offer – and my understanding is, and I mean, I've heard this from a lot of, like, inside sources, is he did not get the offer till Thursday. He didn't know for sure he was going to be a bear until Thursday. Yeah. So, now, if he knew ahead of time, that, that does change things, but right. he didn't. So, in which case, you know, hey, what can he do? What can he possibly do? Yeah. It would be incompetent of him to sit here and tell Mike Weber, hey, um, you know what, you should probably go ahead and commit to Jim Harbaugh. Because I don't know if I'm, you know, I, there's a possibility I might not be here. Right, right. You know, now, that would be incompetent of him to do that. Yeah, and and, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, I, you know, <laughs> asking uh, Stan Drayton to be that honest about things. You know, hey, yeah, you should go play for Michigan because, but, um, I, you know, I guess at this point it, it's just going to be one of those he said, she said things. Obviously, Mike Weber and Ohio State, uh, are the ones who know the truth. And Mike Weber hasn't come out <clears throat> himself and said, yeah, Ohio State told me Stan Drayton was going to be there, and I'm pissed. You know, it, I haven't heard him say that. So that's what makes me believe that that was never a topic of conversation because if it was, I'm sure that would have been 
brought out immediately. You know what I'm saying? And I have not heard that being the case. Unless the kid is just, you know, that smart or he just doesn't want to um, talk that badly about Ohio State because he thought, well, I may still be going there, so I don't totally want to dog him out here, but I'm at least going to express the fact that I'm unhappy that Stan Drayton is no longer going to be my running backs coach. But um, regardless, dude, Buckeyes pull in a hell of a class in Michigan, pulled in possibly the worst class, not only in the Big Ten, but the entire freaking country. I mean, they had what, like 13 kids commit? I mean, something crazy. In fact, I don't even know if they had 13 kids, did they? I think it was 14. 14. Okay, yeah, 14 kids commit to the University of Michigan for the class of 2015. The Ohio State Buckeyes, on the other hand, reeling in, like I stated earlier, another top ten class. Urban Meyer, just another day at the office after winning the national championship. And uh, we, uh, obviously, Mike Weber was a huge, huge commit, one of the top running backs uh, in, the, in the nation, the number one running back, obviously, in the, in the state of Michigan as well as in the Midwest. So that was huge. Um, Torrance Gibson, the other big commit that we were a little unsure of going into signing day because there was some hoopla surrounding him that he was wavering on his uh, verbal that he had given Ohio State back in, uh, what was that, November. And um, he decided that the Buckeyes were the right fit for him. And uh, K.J. Hill, big receiver, uh, four-star kid out of North Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, signs with the Buckeyes. Isaiah Prince, one of the top uh, offensive linemen uh, on the East Coast, if not in the country, uh, decides to to sign with the Buckeyes. So uh, let's break it down a little bit here, Chris, and uh, let's let's just go position by position and tell me uh, some of the guys that uh, were big signs for Ohio State and – who you're looking forward to seeing, uh, if not this coming football season, which there probably won't be too many kids from this class as talented as they are going to see legitimate time on the field. But maybe some guys uh, that you're obviously not only excited to possibly see this coming fall, but uh, in their career here at Ohio State. Um, first of all, like basically everybody's back. But on top of that, last year's class, 14 kids redshirted. So this 14 kids that are going to be the coaches will have access to this year, that, you know, it's like, that's like a, a, a whole nother recruiting class. They, they have, I mean, Ohio State has as many kids that redshirted, you know, as uh, Jim Harbaugh has coming in for his entire class of 2015. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 27 kids, fre- true freshmen, plus 14 redshirt freshmen. So the competition is going to be fierce on this team. But, um, you know, as far as excitement goes, I mean, you know, you ne- mentioned the guy I'm most excited about, Torrance Gibson. I mean, this guy is just a... Uh, Total freak, you know, he's uh, 6'4", 205 pounds. Um, you know, he's going to come in and start at quarterback. And, um, you know, we'll see if he if he can keep that spot. I, I have a feeling he's probably going to switch to wide receiver. And he, he reminds me of a almost like a Sammy Watkins type kind of guy. Do yourself a favor and go out and, and just go on YouTube and search for Torrance Gibson and check out some of his highlights because it is unfreaking real. I mean, this guy just breaks people down. Like like crazy. I mean, he reminds me of like the ankle breaking ability of Braxton, with like the speed of ten, Ted Ginn, the open field speed of Ted Ginn. I mean, it's very just, fast. Very I mean, unbelievable. Fast. And and, he, and he's doing all of this in a in a body that's six four and two hundred five pounds. So that's what's even more amazing. Too, yeah, yeah, you know, it has a has a decent arm. I mean, his his accuracy isn't fantastic, but you know, if if he can put it together and um, become a quarterback, I mean, he would be. Uh, 
a hell of a, a quarterback as well. I mean, he would be like a a shiftier Terrell Pryor, you know. But um, yeah. But I, I I almost would rather see him make it as a wide receiver because the other quarterback they have in this class. I mean, I'm giving them an A for quarterback in this class. Is a guy by the name of Joey Burrow. He was Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. Um, the statistics on this guy, I don't have them in front of me, but it was like 60-some touchdowns versus two interceptions. Pretty nice TD-to-interception ratio right there. Uh, on top- even if he, and, and this is a kid, played at Athens High School here in uh, Ohio, and they're Division Three. Um, so some of the level of competition that he saw, uh, you know, wasn't – the best level of competition in the state, but still, you put up those kind of numbers even playing D3 football, and that's that's still saying something right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And not only that was that, you know, that ratio of TD to interceptions impressive, but he has almost a, it's almost a one-to-one ratio of touchdowns to incompletions. I mean, this guy was so accurate. He's got like 60-something, it's like 60-something TDs. And like I think it's sixty three TDs and seventy one in incompletions. Yeah. I mean, you, you've almost got as many. I mean, think about that. Think about that. He's almost got as many touchdowns as incompletions. That's how accurate this guy is. I mean, usually a typical quarterback, a typical line for a quarterback, is uh, like fifteen for twenty five. So ten incompletions. You know, it's not typical for a quarterback to have ten touchdowns in a game. You know what I mean? So that's pretty atypical to get ten touchdowns. I don't know if that if that's ever even happened ever. So the thing about that that he um, his touchdowns is almost a one to one ratio of touchdowns and completions. Just unfrickin' real statistics. So uh, you know we said that the, the accuracy was a little bit of a question mark with Torrance Gibson. Um, accuracy is not any kind of question mark with this kid. And he also, while he's not you know breaking ankles like Braxton or Torrance Gibson. He's athletic. I mean, he's athletic enough to, if you need him to run the football, he can run it. You know, I mean, he, um, he, if the, if the grass opens up in front of him and nobody's open, uh, you know, he's going to be able to pick up 10 yards and then step out of bounds, you know, before taking the hit. He's, he's, he's got the athleticism to run an Urban Meyer offense at the quarterback position. So I'm really thrilled with that. And just like I said, mentioning red shirts, there is Stephen Collier from last year. It will be a redshirt freshman this year as well. So they, you know, there's you can essentially if you count the the red shirts from last year as part of this year's freshman class, they basically have three quarterbacks. So, not you know, along with well, you know, three high, three well, guys that are in the top ten for the Heisman candidacy this year returning. You know, so <laughs> the uh, quarterback depth has got to be like the most ridiculously deep ever. At Ohio State, like of any school ever, not just like Ohio State. Like any oh, yeah, ever. I mean, name, name another school out there where, you know, obviously the third-string guy can lead them to a national championship, and then on top of that, you've got at least two or three more guys uh, who are waiting in the wings who could, you know, lead them to probably, I'm not saying national championships, but pretty damn good records too. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the highlight reel for Torrance Gibson and then think that at best this kid is the fourth-string quarterback, maybe as much as maybe fifth or sixth, but at best, he's the fourth-string quarterback. That's just not fair. <laughs> it is fair, damn it. Screw them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, quarterbacks is uh, – Torrance Gibson's my favorite signing of the class. Quarterback looks awesome. I give him an A.
All right, let's switch up to the uh, defensive side of the ball. And um, got a, uh, a, a few defensive uh, linemen. Um, but really, uh, I would say the, uh, the jewels of the class were uh, at linebacker. Only three linebackers uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but each and every one of them were studs, dude. Studs. So give me, uh, give me your breakdown of uh, Justin Hilliard, Jerome Baker, and Nick Connor. So Justin Hilliard is the highest-ranked guy in the entire class, you know, the highest-ranked player. But not just out of linebackers, defensive players, everybody, the entire class. Right, yeah, this guy, um, you know, he's a five-star kid. He's, the, he's ranked as the number one player in Ohio, number two outside linebacker in the country, number 34 overall if you look at the 24-7 composite. Now, I like the 24-7 composite because it looks at all the national recruiting rankings and averages them together, so you you know it's, it's a decent way to eliminate regional bias. But at any rate, guy's ranked really freaking high. He's six foot two twenty five. Um, you know he's he's big enough to step in and play right away. Total stud. Um, love him. Love the kid. He's yeah, got, I think a, you know, uh, with well, with Curtis Grant leaving, um, and this kid's more of a more of a, like an outside linebacker. But of course, they switch positions all the time. Of course, you're going to have Darren Lee on the other side, Josh Perry on the other side. Uh, undoubtedly, Raekwon McMillan will come in. But I think this is a guy that can come in and see the field. He's probably one of the few that probably could see legitimate playing time just because of the depth right now at linebacker not being too too superb. You know, this is a guy that could see the field uh, this coming football season as a true freshman. Right, right. Now, then, then you got Nick Connor, who's more of an inside linebacker type, where uh, Justin Hilliard could play any of them. You know, he's listed as an outside linebacker, but they've said he's good enough to play any. So um, Nick Connor, he he's actually at on campus already at Ohio State. He was an early enrollee, so that always gives him help. You know, I mean, uh, Rayquan McMillan was an early enrollee last year, and you know that really accelerates their ability to, you know, to pick up the playbook and and you know get used to being college students, college athletes, and, um, you know, have a chance of contributing early. So that's going to help his case. Another big kid, 6'3", 225, uh, looks real good, Had, you know, um, was was rated uh, number eight inside linebacker in the country, you know, pretty good, four-star kid, has, has some nice offers from uh, Michigan State, and um, oh, I, I don't have a list in front of me right here, but he has a a, a real, you know, I mean, it wasn't like all the elites in the world, like some of the um, some of the kids in this class that were offered by everybody, you know. That, but good enough offers to know that this, you know, he looks like a pretty good prospect. So I'm I'm pleased with him. Could also be a tight end if if linebacker doesn't work out for him, but he's definitely uh, going to start at linebacker. And uh, the last guy who might end up being the best of all of them. He's listed as an athlete, Jerome Baker, because he might end up playing on offense. Um, he's 6'2", 205, a, uh, an, listed as the number four athlete in the country. This kid is blazing fast and has the frame. You know, he's 205 now and blazing fast, like sub 4'5 fast. And, um, you know, has, has the frame to easily get to, you know, 220, 230 and probably not drop any of that speed. So... Uh, I would love to see him at you know the running back position. I think he would be really good there. Uh, the, perhaps 
even at something that like put him at the the H back, you know, that the spot with Jalen Marshall and Dontre Wilson right now. Yeah, interesting. Put, sure. put somebody with some size and power that he's fast enough to play that position, but would bring more power than what the guys there currently are. You know, he's, he's going to be able to run through arm tackles. Be real interesting. And if not, um, oh yeah, he can play all three linebacker spots as well. So um, I think scary. he's probably yeah, I think he's probably a redshirt candidate just because he's he is only 205. And they're not sure where he's going to be yet. So, you know, we, we don't necessarily need him right now. So um, they, prob- probably a good candidate to redshirt. And uh, speaking of redshirt, last year Kyle Berger redshirted. So you got another linebacker coming in, redshirt freshman. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I tell you what, Kyle Berger, he was, uh, depending on the source you go by, he was one of the more highly recruited uh, linebackers out of the state of Ohio. Um but, you know, that's kind of tough when a kid starts getting injured, you know. Yeah, well. And, you know, yeah. we'll see. Hopefully he can uh, he can come off the injury. But, uh, you know, a guy like Trey Johnson who was, you know, thought of to be one of the, the you know, going to be one of the better linebackers in the next couple of years at Ohio State. I mean, he's, he's pretty much done. His career pretty much ended, you know, due to injury. And, and then a, a guy like uh, Mike Mitchell. Uh, you know, who transfers because he's unhappy. And, um, you know, they've had to deal with some uh, some some heartache, if you will, at the linebacker position. Absolutely. So, uh, well, what about the defensive back? Uh, there's a couple of guys they got. Uh, Jamel Dean out of Cocoa High School in Cocoa, Florida. Uh, Denzel Ward from uh, Macedonia High School, or Nordonia High School in Macedonia, Ohio, uh, just a little bit north of Columbus. A uh, couple of guys that are pretty highly rated. Uh, another guy, though, out of Canton McKinley, Eric Glover Williams. He's an athlete, and this kid can probably pretty much play about any. Uh, any position on the field, shy of offensive mm. tackle. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> he, he's a guy that yeah, quarterback, uh, high school quarterback. Yeah, I mean, quarterback, running back, defensive back, safety, cornerback, whatever, H back. I mean, uh, receiver. It, it you know, probably tight end, offensive and defensive line, maybe even linebacker would probably be a stretch for this kid just because of his size. He's like what five eleven and one eighty, but I mean, man, is he good? And he is uh, definitely well, pretty much the only uh, athlete that was recruited in this class. I mean, they're all athletes, if you will, but the only one really tabbed with that that athlete, um, you know, tag on him. But, uh, you know, there's three guys that, that are looking good on the defensive, uh, in the, you know, in the defensive secondary, and if that's where Glover Williams uh, ends up playing. Um, but, yeah, what uh, what's your take on the, uh, the defensive uh, backfield as far as some of the guys coming in? Well, um, <laughs> out of the players you just mentioned, I like Glover Williams the best, but I like him because I think he's probably going to be on offense. This kid, if you watch him running routes, he comes out of those cuts so fast that uh, the defensive backs just can't hang, hang with him. Yeah. You know, and I think I think the offensive coaches and Urban Meyer in particular are just going to be drooling a little bit too much over over that. I mean, if you think about it, you know, um, if you have a guy that's a game breaker and you put him at defensive back. He has a chance to impact the game three or four times. Maybe get three or four pass breakups. I mean, three or four is a huge number of pass breakups actually in the game. So huge. Yeah. Some so uh, you know, I mean, he gets a pick. That in the, the first half of the season. Right. So, but if he's, you know, if you put this guy at H back, you know, he could be getting easy five, six catches, five, you know, four or five runs. Um, I mean, ten catches in a game is not unheard of. You know. 
And you can just have him have, you can put him on, of course, I guess the defensive back, you can also still have him on returns and stuff. But at, at any rate, um, the, the opportunity to have a game breaker break the game is greater on the offensive side, where on defense, they just, especially at defensive back, you know, sometimes maybe you take out your your guy and the quarterback just doesn't even look to that side of the field. And that's a, that's huge. I don't mean to downplay that that isn't huge to have a lockdown, you know, put him on an island kind of receiver, defensive back. But it's really hard when you see this guy breaking people down in practice and making them look silly to, to keep them off of the offense just because coaches just drool over that. It's like, you know, Ted Ginn was supposed to be, like, the best quarterback at Ohio State ever. He came in as a defensive back. That lasted in practice about one day. You know, that lasted about one session. They're like, yeah, um, no, let's put him on offense. You know, because I remember that, yeah. yeah and yeah, I, I, I mean, thought at the time, what in the world are they doing putting him at a receiver? I thought he was going to be a, you know, a cornerback. And, well, we all found out why they switched to the wide receiver quite quickly. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy about Glover. I, you know, and I think he'll be a, a, a really good cornerback if they keep him there, of course. Um, you know, Jamel Dean's already on campus so that helps a big 6-2 guy I mean he's all of these guys are coming in as corners my guess is the biggest the two big ones uh, so I think it's Norwood and Dean are both 6-2 and the other guys are you know 5-11 six foot my guess is the guys that are 6-2 will move to safety just because you know you you have some somebody's got to play safety right they didn't recruit any safeties and if you have a guy who's a quarterback that you move to safety that's pretty nice because then he can actually do some man coverage it's a lot easier to move a guy from corner to safety than it is from safety to corner you know, because um, it's, it's hard to learn that man-on-man coverage. So pretty excited about that. Sure. Yeah. And they got, a, again, a couple redshirt freshmen. So Malik Cooker is a, a safety who redshirted. And yep. um, I think he was like a 6'3", 6'4", guy. He was like a, a basketball yeah. stud. Yeah, he was kind of one of those that kind of maybe even could have could have been a smaller uh, linebacker, you know, but uh, yeah. put him down there with his speed and, and – uh, Kind of almost like a Darren Lee type, yeah. you know. Yeah, he's a tall, tall, freakish athlete kind of guy. Uh, and then the other one who I'm real excited about out of Cleveland, Glenville, Marshawn Lattimore. Red, yes. The only re- the yep. only reason he redshirted was because of an injury. Yep. This kid is way too good to keep off the field. Yep. Um, I mean, Let's they're saying he's basically come back after this injury. Let's hope. You know? Well, that's true. That's true. But they're saying basically, um, you know the best football player to come out of Glenville since Ted Ginn, the best athlete to come out of Glenville since Ted Ginn. And if you look at his high school film, it's pretty impressive. i tell you one thing to do. If you, if you go to YouTube and search for, you know, Marshawn Lattimore field goal block, and you'll see this guy sky. I'm like, you know, he could, yeah, he could have dunked the basketball on 11, 12-foot rim or something. I mean, he, wow. he skies up and blocks this field goal, and you're like, oh, my God, did they – did they – is that real? Did they Photoshop that? Did they edit it? I mean, how clearly that's not human. He clearly that had to be fake. But it's it's like it's like no. My understanding is that it's it's not doctored. That's real footage. Him skying to block this field goal. Um, so uh, wow. Another kid that you know he's so good and such a freak athlete that he he might get moved to the offense. Um, I think he's probably will stay at, at cornerback. But um, but we'll see. So you know yeah. The, if nothing else, they've got a lot of bodies. You know, we're talking six different defensive backs, right? Uh, well, I guess with Glover, um, seven. If, yeah, right. If, if they all say a defensive back, that's seven, seven freshmen defensive backs. So, you know, they lose Curtis Grant, and uh, Armani Reeves is uh, an injury retirement. So, Oh, is you know, he, he out? Is it official? Yeah, so he's gone. So oh, the uh, wow. 
he was a starting Nickelback. Yes, he was. That's so, kind of, uh, you know, kind of big right there. That's yeah, and, and they like to play cornerbacks. Kind of because, I mean, he, you know, lose a kid like that, yeah. Well, he was earmarked to be the replacement for, for Curtis Grant, and he was already, you know, you basically Durant a start. Or, or, uh, I'm sorry, Duran Grant. Yeah. He, was, he was already earmarked. He was already starting at the Nickelback spot. Oh, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, so they lose those two guys. And so it's, you know, it's Apple. And then, who, you know, who's going to step in there? Is it Gary and Conley? Was Apple back up? Webb. Yeah. Conley, Conley and Webb have a leg, you know, a leg up because they're seasoned slightly. You know, they were, they, they got some PT last year. Yeah. But then you got these seven other guys and they're competing. So somebody's going to step up and look good. A couple of them look Maybe nope. even move Cam Burroughs back down to a uh, cornerback. I mean, that's his natural position when he was in high school. He was a hell of a cornerback. Um, I don't yeah. know if they want to waste, uh, you know, waste years of eligibility for Cam Burroughs at safety, sitting behind Vaughn Bell now, when it's apparent Bell is going to be the guy. So, you know, maybe they want to move Cam Burroughs back down into cornerback, uh, depending on if Conley or um, Webb or, or even a Lattimore or somebody like that can come in and, and you know, pick up the slap right away. But, um, Could be. Yeah, a lot of talent coming in on the in the um, <clears throat> defensive backfield. Uh, what about the uh, the defensive line? Got to about three tackles and a couple uh, defensive ends here in this class. Uh, the defensive tackle position, a little bit light. I mean, good kids, a lobby uh, being, uh, well, he's kind of a tweener. Some people have him as a defensive tackle. Some people have him as an end. They got Devon Hamilton uh, out of Pickerington High School here in Central Ohio. Uh, Robert Landers. A kid out of Wayne High School uh, here in Ohio, um, and uh, then a defensive end. Really, uh, a couple of guys I'm excited to see, and that's uh, Draymond Jones, the number one rated uh, defensive end out of St. Ignatius High School here in the state of Ohio, as well as Jay Sean Cornell, the number one ranked um, defensive end, not only in the state of Minnesota from Creighton Durham Hall High School, uh, but some people consider being the top defensive end in the entire Midwest. Right, right. Yeah, he's the number one player in Minnesota. Uh, get this about this class. Ohio State got the number one player in the state from five different states. Uh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Ohio, Minnesota. Minnesota South uh, Dakota. South Dakota. <laughs> I, Isaiah Prince is number one player in Maryland. Maryland. And, and um, we're missing uh, somebody, but. Michigan? Uh, No. Was no. Weber not the top kid out of Michigan? Well, yeah. and once again, I mean that's it's it's all subjective. Oh, 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 Arkansas, KJ Hill. Oh yeah, I, I was I was thinking that, but uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. So yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, Deshaun Cornell is the highest ranked uh, ranked of the defensive players. He's a five star kid by some rate services anyway. At a minimum, four star by everybody. The top one hundred player, and he's already on campus. And, um, you know, he's listed as a strong side defensive end. He's currently at 6'4", 260, so he's big enough to come in and play end right away. And, you know, there's some openings. I mean, uh, Steve Miller is gone. Uh, his backup, Rashard Frazier, is gone. So, and, and the people playing behind Joey Bosa really didn't show much. You know, you got Tequan Lewis and, and Jalen Holmes. None of those guys jumped off the, the footage to me, you know, so... There's there's a chance for him to really get in there and being there early, being big enough, and you know being ranked the highest. Uh, I think it's a real good chance he's going to be in the rotation this year. I mean, you know, who knows? We'll see. But but it's a good looking kid. Um, you know, I really liked. Let me see if I can find find him here. So Robert Landers was a guy who came on late out of Dayton. Yes. 
You know, um, he, he was not real highly ranked. He was just a three-star kid, and especially after his junior year, was not real highly ranked. And then his senior year, he blew up. I went and watched this kid's film, and, oh, my God, he has a crazy first step, crazy first step. So it reminded me, I don't know how, how much of a Browns fan you are, but do you remember Michael Dean Perry? <laughs> oh, I remember old Michael Dean, the Fridge's cousin. Yeah, so, I mean, he was better than the Fridge. I mean, let's let's be real here. The Fridge is more famous. But Michael Dean, that's only because he was playing on the, the Bears and Super Bowl teams and all that. Yeah, and he Michael was, Dean so was a, huge, and nobody could, you know, block him half the time. But Michael right. Dean Perry, probably from a technical uh, standpoint, yeah. Had, had well, from a disruptive. Michael Dean, you'd think he, he, like, knew the snap count. But it happened so often in so many different teams, that's like, surely they didn't steal the snap count on every team they played this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he would, he would, I mean, he would be faster then all five offensive linemen, you'd see that the ball would snap. You let the film run for a split second. The offensive linemen are all in their stances, are just maybe starting to come out of it. And he's already taken a step, and his, his like, head is already past the center's head. You know what I mean? Or past, he's, like, already getting between them. He was just so – that, that first step was just so nasty and the good instincts for, for the snap that uh, he would get penetration just uh, like every other play. And totally disrupt things. Well, when I watched Robert Landers' film, I'm like, oh my God, this is a, a little version of Michael Dean. I'm like, holy, dish. he's like every, I, just like he would be past the offensive lineman, which he would be like in the backfield where the offensive linemen are still coming out of their stances. So you get somebody like that. That's uh, I can't tell you how uh, what amazing you know how amazing that is for your offensive lineman. You've got a defensive tackle like that where they've got to like double team him every time. You know, it just allows. Your, your ends to go crazy, you know, and he's going to, you know, he's got such a good first step that I think he's going to be disruptive in there as well. And, you know, even with double teams, he's just going to get by him a number of times a game because he's got such a great first step. So yeah. real excited about him. Already listed at 295, you know, um, that uh, Alibe, I've heard that he is his best position is offensive line. So I don't know that he's still <laughs> going to be there or not. Um, speaking of guys who could play on either side, um, one of the most exciting guys, if you want, you know, again, like watching highlight films, one of the most exciting guys on this, uh, from the defensive line perspective, is Rashad Berry. He's yeah. he's going to start at from tight Lorraine, end. Or Lorraine, yeah. He's going to start at tight end, and um, but he's definitely good enough to play. He's a weak side defensive end, six five, two forty. Um, you know, I again, this is a, this is one. If you you know, it's going to be real hard for any of these kids to get any PT this year. But here's one where I think there's a real good chance. I mean, relative, relative, relative to the other kids, he's got a good chance to get in there because one, he's playing weak side defensive end. The number one and two defense, you know, weak side defensive ends are gone for seniors. Uh, his other position is tight end, so you know, just playing more than one position increases your odds. You know, tight end, well, you know, uh, Hireman's gone, and so there's an opening there. You know, I mean, Nick Vanette's obviously going to start, but who's going to yeah. be the backup? You know, I mean, Marcus Ball. I'd say Marcus Ball is your choice. Obviously, he's got a leg up. You know, he's been in the program a couple of years and has had a little tiny smidgen of PT. But, you know, um, it's not like he's a proven commodity, really. So there's an opportunity there. And um, he's ranked as a three-star kid. But the thing about this, I mean, this here is the sleeper pick for the class. He's a three-star because he struggled with grades. Four-star talent on the football field. Every, every All the scouts I've, I've heard from, they all say – this kid could play, plays ball like a four-star kid. But because if you don't make the grades, you don't get to play, that is considered into your ranking. 
So I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. So really? Now, where, where did you see that at? I'm just curious. What that it's that factored into the rankings mm-hmm. or that? Yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty common knowledge. I've heard it m- many times. I mean, I, I know if you listen to um, like I, you know, I'm a twenty a twenty four seven sports guy. So their recruiting analyst is Bill Kerlick. He's been in the recruiting industry for 30 years. Oh, yeah, years. Bill Kerlick is a name for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, I've never heard that being a factor he's, in their, their own. Yeah, he's, he says that regularly. I mean, basically, if the kid can't make the grades, then they're they're worthless. So if, if they're a real well, that's a good question story. mark, sure. sure. You know, they're, they're zero stars, you know. So they have to consider that. Is what, you know, recruiting is it's an odds game. What are the odds that this kid is going to be a contributor to my team? And there are many ways to look at that. And it takes away the odds of them being successful if they don't have the grades. So, um, you know, but he got his grades together. So assuming he can keep his grades up, um, real good chance that this three-star kid would make more noise than what you might imagine a three-star kid making because of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of bodies here. You know, like I said, if you if you count, what do they have? They have five, and that's even before you, you count Barry, I believe. And then um, – you know, again, red, three kids redshirted on the defensive line. So you got two defensive ends and Sam Hubbard and Darius Slade. Other two other, you know, real good opportunities for for them to step in and be that weak side defensive end. Those two are both weak side guys. And then uh, Dylan Thompson, who could be they, a, a defensive tackle or strong side end. I've heard Thompson compared to like a bigger Johnny Simon. You know, reminds people a lot of Johnny Simon, but but in the body of a tackle where you know they. They said basically uh, Johnny Simon was an was a, an amazing defensive tackle in the body of a defensive end. <laughs> That's a pretty good comparison, right there. Right. So you know he he still had a you know strong college career. Um, I mean not like amazing, not you know Javon Clowney kind of college career or even a no you know, even even hey, a John Simon was a player here. At well, Ohio. yeah, but he but he was a good player. But yeah, that's where he struggled in the NFL. Is he just wasn't. He wasn't he quite, you know, he didn't he didn't have he was a tweener, you know, he was a classic tweener. Where Thompson is like Johnny Simon, but not a tweener, and he's already been in the program a year. So he the reason he redshirted last year was again an injury. So if he can come back 100, percent which is of course a big if, but if he can come back, that's another guy. So they're going to have a lot of bodies there to rotate in, you know. And they they did lose some guys, you know. Of course, they also lost Michael Bennett. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know, starting with opportunity, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you, we've got two studs and Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa and Adolphus Washington, and then a uh, big question mark. But you know, I I like our chances with Larry Johnson, who is an elite, absolutely elite defensive line coach, yes, with the sheer number of bodies that he has at his disposal. He's going to find one of them to step up. You know, at, at end, he's going to find another one to step up at tackle. So yeah. I'm yeah. confident there. Well, yeah, Ohio State. Uh, uh, Offensive uh, line as well. Got a couple of uh, of uh, big uh, commits in Matthew Burrell out of uh, C.D. Hilton High School in uh, Virginia, as well as uh, we mentioned Isaiah Prince being the uh, number one uh, player out of the state of Maryland. He uh, six foot five, or actually about six six, uh, three hundred pound offensive tackle out of Eleanor Roosevelt High School in Maryland. So you got a couple of guys on the other side of the ball. That uh, There's some depth there, though, on the offensive line, considering the, the class that they had last year. 
in some of the kids that I really felt had a chance to step up this year, uh, especially with all the questions on the offensive line. And, um, you know, instead they, they threw together kind of a patchwork offensive line, and that line uh, from this national championship winning team only loses one guy. And that's a uh, right tackle. Um, help me out, dude. I'm totally Daryl Baldwin. Insane. Yeah, Daryl Baldwin. Uh, otherwise, you have four returning starters in Elfline, Boren, uh, Billy Price, and Taylor Decker. And then, you know, like I said, compound on that, some of the guys that they got from last year's class, and Demetrius Knox, Jamarco Jones, Marcellus Jones, um, Kyle Trout. You've also got a guy from a couple years back, Evan Lyle. Uh, who was a big-time stud coming out of the state of Ohio. So uh, some of these guys on the offensive line, Isaiah Prince and, uh, um, you know, Matthew Burrell, do you see them as having a legitimate shot to come in and possibly compete? Or is it probably going to be a couple years till we see these guys make a name for themselves? Boy, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's offensive line. I just line, don't see it. I just yeah. don't see it. The line is the hardest spot to come in. And contribute you're early. Orlando Pace or Corey Stringer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it can happen. It can happen, it can, but but, but in general, the line is the hardest spot. Yeah. You know, it's a skill position spots. It's um, you know, that you can come in and be a high flying wide receiver and, and get the job done, even though your routes might not be so great. Um, a lot. What happens in high school? These kids are so much bigger. The ones that you know end up going to Ohio State, obviously. The, the, these elite players for the line, be it offense or defensive line, are so much bigger than their competition that they don't really have to work on technique so much. Sure. They can just overpower them with their size. Sure. And so they tend to be raw. And then on the other the other thing is because size is such a big thing, part of the game, and they're not really grown men at that point. You know, they haven't matured. They haven't been in a, a college strength and conditioning program and all of that. They physically may not be ready, even though they were dominating guys that they were so much bigger than in high school. They're just not physically strong enough to hang with, you know, junior and senior defensive linemen, you know, if they're an offensive lineman or vice versa. You know, so the odds of them contributing right away, um, probably not great, but, I mean, we're stacked going forward. I mean, I think there's six offensive linemen in this class, seven if you count Alibe, which, again, people are saying Alibe is probably a better offensive lineman than he is a defensive lineman is what I've heard from scouts. Yeah. And then they got four guys that redshirted last year. Four. Yeah. Four four offensive yeah. linemen that redshirted last year. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you could be looking at um, 11, 11 fresh. You basically you're looking at eleven freshman offensive linemen on this team. I mean, it's insane. So, um, you know, give them to Ed Warner and let him coach him up. Um, it'll be exciting. The ones I'm I'm liking, um, Isaiah Prince looks real good. You know, if you watch the film on him. He looks like a tight end out there, like both his frame. He's 6'6", 272. For a guy who's 272, he, he's so svelte, he looks like a tight end. So um, yeah, that's nice. Lean, he does. He's got a lean figure for being as tall and as big as he is. Right, which I like. And yeah. he, move, he He looks like and move. Both, both his frame looks like it and the way he moves looks like a tight end. So this guy, I mean, you talk about the, like, blindside protector, left tackle prototype. Um, I mean, I think you're looking at it right there. I mean – you know, he, he's going to need to add a few pounds, get up to at least 290. I'm sure with his frame, he'll easily be able to put on 300 pounds easily with, you know, given to Mickey Marotti, one of the, the top strength and conditioning guys in the country. No, yeah. But, but um, I, I, you know, I'm real excited about him. I think he's going to be a good one. Uh, Matthew Burrell is the second highest ranked lineman in the class. You look at his film, and he is just destroying people out there. I mean, he, he also moves real well. 
320. For 320, he moves well. I mean, he doesn't look like a tight end like Prince does. He looks like an offensive lineman, but but he moves very, very well and is just merciless. I mean, you watch his film, and if he's not pancaking you on the spot, he's driving you, you know, 10, 20 yards downfield. You know, just over play after play after play, you watch him just driving the guy, like literally we will be driving him like 10 yards downfield. I'm like, yeah, that's going to make a, a hole for, you know, Ezekiel Elliott or Mike Weber to run behind or whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a hole right yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, he just it just looks nasty. Just really plays with that nastiness, which is is really important when you're on the line. You no, know, that's exactly that is that is the most important thing about the offensive lineman. You got to come in mad, angry, have a bad attitude, and just want to smash the person in front of you. I mean, that's football in general. But you know, when you're uh, when you're playing offensive line, you got to have a fire in your belly that just every play you want to create a hole. You want to put that defensive guy on his back, whatever way. Now I understand some blocking schemes are different to where you don't necessarily block the guy on his back every single time. But uh, you you do you want to have a, a passion, a fire, a, a desire to play offensive line, and uh, yeah, Isaiah Prince, Matthew Burrell, two guys that uh, I think definitely have those uh, those characteristics, and um, hopefully they're going to be uh, going to be good ones. And then, like you said, Joshua Lobby, we'll uh, uh, we'll see what happens with him. You know, are they going to put him at defensive tackle, defensive end, or are they going to flip him over and play offensive line? Which at this point, it, it seems like there's almost more depth on the offensive line than there is the defensive line, but. Um, even still, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But, um, but I can tell you what, sir, I think we've rambled on long enough. Uh, I think everybody out there has a pretty damn good idea that, uh, once again, this uh, Buckeye recruiting class is going to be pretty good, and uh, Buckeye fans have something to be excited about uh, in the uh, next coming years. Um, certainly no shortage of athletes in this class, once again, for uh, for Urban Meyer. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And um, we're forgetting the... The uh, the linchpin of the class, the number one long snapper in the nation, oh, baby, Liam McCullough. Liam McCullough <laughs> from Worthington Kilbourne High School, the pride and joy of Central Ohio, a two-star kid, six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Like you said, a long snapper, committed in June of two thousand and fourteen. And you look at this guy and you think he should be like on the debate team. Or you know the chess club or something. I mean, he good just just a good looking, solid you know, nice looking kid. You know, they I, I've actually heard interviews with him, and he is a pretty well spoken kid. And that's that's the kind of guy that you want playing at Ohio State. You know, he's the kind of guy that's going to bring uh, you know a, a good natured uh, vibe uh, to to the Buckeyes. I'm sure he's got good grades, and uh, you know he won't be out there getting in trouble. And um, you know, hopefully, uh, bring a little bit of pride to the Buckeye program, as uh, most of these other kids uh, will. I'll tell you what, you look at the, some of these other kids, uh, like on Scout, you look at some of their pictures, some of them just, they just look mad. They look mean, and I like it. I like it. I'm like, this is the kid you want, you know. You don't want him smiling for the camera like Liam McCullough. He's standing there, and he's got a big old grin, and hi, I'm Liam. I'm Liam McCullough. I'm the long snapper for Ohio State. But... They're bringing him in for for one reason or another, and I'm proud to say Liam McCullough is a Buckeye, baby. I'm well, hey, proud. What's the most important play in football? I, well, according to Jim Trestle, but old Jimmy T ain't here anymore. So, <laughs> old Liam, uh, <laughs> old Liam, though, there's not too many long, specific long snappers on the team. So I got a feeling Liam's going to get his shot before all is said and done. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, he, we're talking about a kid who is a U.S. Army All-American. 
No, I, mean, I know he's two, he's two stars. The only reason he's two stars is because he's a long snapper. Yeah, he's yeah. the number one long snapper in the nation. I yeah, mean, it's true. think about that how many true. high schools there are out there. They all every team has a long snapper. I, I'm such a geek that I've actually watched his highlight film of him snapping, <laughs> and his snaps look freaking awesome. You know, so I mean, even at the you know that level. This team is set for, you know, going forward. The future is bright in the Urban Meyer era. Absolutely no argument whatsoever, sir. Hey, before we get out of here, uh, give everyone a shout. Let them know where else they can catch some of your other stuff at. Yeah, sure. So my podcast, my primary podcast is Toys Conversations. So um, we talk about anything and everything there. Come check it out. Just do a Google search for Choice Conversations. Or um, I'm on Facebook or Twitter. It's Choice Convo is my handle, so at choice, and then the combo is C-O-N-V-O, and um, on iTunes, you name it. So I'd love to have you as a listener there as well. Be sure to check me out as well on Twitter, at O-S-U-A-E, the College Football Pigskin Podcast page on Facebook, where you can get your daily fill or weekly fill or more uh, more or less here lately. Since football season's ended, it's been more like a monthly fill of uh, all of your college football news. That's the College Pigskin Podcast page on Facebook. You can also go to www.andrewtevans.com and download this edition of the Buckeye Leapcast, as well as any other previous podcast that I myself or any of my esteemed guests have jumped on and, and done with me. And also be sure to check out Christie's Cleaning Services on Facebook. It's Christie's Cleaning Services, LLC. It's not clean until it's Christie clean. So there you go, Chris. Um, boy, I'm at a loss now. Unless there's any other uh, crazy news uh, regarding the, this this whole recruiting debacle with Mike Weber, which it sounds like it's over and, and all that stuff. uh we don't have a whole lot more uh, OSU football to talk about until the, I guess, the spring. Spring, yeah, we got some spring updates we'll probably be giving you guys in here in a couple of months. Otherwise, it's been an awesome season to talk about. We got, obviously, a lot more football to uh, speak of and some Ohio State basketball. And, Chris, as always, OH. I-O. Go Bucks.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.